stint in solitaire. It was nothing. I held it together. Oh. Amy, when did you get here? You've come for my conjugal capabilities. You're looking real good, girl. Oop. Lost a booby. No matter. I'll just build another one. More mashed potatoes! Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze with Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako and I am so, so excited and happy to say I watched the most recent episode of Rick and Morty, which is on uh, E4, Monday evenings at 10 p.m., on E4, I think it's episode one of season five that has just dropped, and I've watched it, and I love it. Hi, I'm producer Dave. Uh, funny enough, I, I think I've only one, ever watched one episode of Rick and Morty. I know what it's all about. I know a lot of people, I know a lot of people loving loving that show, but every time it's on, I'm either doing something else. I haven't even caught up with it, so you know. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to your description and, and make a decision from there. Seriously, producer Dave, what are you talking about? You have never, you've seen one episode of Rick and Morty? Uh, yep, yeah, I've seen one episode of Rick and Morty. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it. It's just that, you know. I have tons of priorities and tons of more important things <coughs> that I need to be doing. And I made time to watch Rick and Morty. So you have no excuse whatsoever. I'm, I'm kidding. Of course, you're a very busy man. Uh, and uh, Rick and Morty is not the be all and end all of TV. So you don't have to have watched it yet. But you need to go and check it out. Um, for those, the uninitiated, Rick and Morty is an animated series uh, uh, created by Dan Harmon. Those of you who recognize the name, who know shows such as Community from back in the day, uh, it, it was that pretty much launched da uh, Donald Glover into the consciousness of various, you know, film and TV viewers. Um, yeah, so that was the show that he created, Community. He then created uh, Rick and Morty, which, if you believe the the stories, the idea of the show was essentially supposed to be a parody of back to the future about this very weird old man who's going on adventures with this very young kid um, but due to due to copyright infringement and because people didn't really want to go and start mocking back to the future 
he went with uh, the other creator, I can't remember the other creator's name, and they went and retooled Rick and Morty. And it became about Rick or Rick Sanchez, who's this eccentric scientist grandfather who uh, he, he comes back into the life of his daughter and their family. Uh, and he basically, I would say kidnaps, he doesn't kidnap, but he, uh, he ropes in his grandson, Morty, into his adventures where they cut across different dimensions and universes uh, with various portal guns and, and machinery that, are, that have been invented by Rick. And it's just amazing. Any type of invention you can think of, Rick has done it. And he is the smartest man in every universe. That is literally how he describes himself and how a lot of his nemesis and his enemies describe him. So essentially, each episode, it's a weird and wacky episode with, uh, you know, um, parodies and satires of various TV shows, films, uh, etc. Uh, and it's gone four seasons. It's now, I think season five has just started. It's it's really, really good. The voice uh, cast in it, it, they're terrific as well. Um, it's just, I, I just dived into it. It is colorful. It is just ludicrous. It is amazing. It is a great show. I guarantee is it, okay. I said I can't guarantee. I can't guarantee because I know a number a number of people who have watched it, and because of how off the off the wall it is, um, they've gone nah, not for me. And I'm like, eh, you're lost. Move away. But if you are a cinephile like I am, you'll get a ton of references. There are a ton of references that I don't get when I watch, and I'm like, I'm sure that's referencing something. I don't know what it is. I might do the research, or I might come across it, and then somebody else will say something like, "Yeah, it's um, you know this old TV show from back in the day," and I'm like, "Of course, of course it is," and it's just different things like on there as well. So um, the last season, season four. It it was I, I really I enjoyed season four, but for me, and this is going to be blasphemy, and I hope Dan Harmon doesn't get offended when he hears me say this. I I thought season four was good, but it wasn't great. It started to sort of drag towards the end. Still, very good episodes. The very last episode of season four. I'm not going to say anything about it. Was a very good episode. Very good concept. Pulling back from a previous episode in the previous series. And then season five came and boy, did that episode come with a bang. It was an is amazing episode from start to finish. I literally, I finished watching it and I texted some, some friends of mine who I know watch it. Uh, and they had exactly the same feeling as I did about season four being a little bit of a drag. They're a little bit more critical than I am. And they went and watched it and said, damn right, dude, you are absolutely right. Season five came back swinging and yes i'm ready for the next episode i hope they keep that level of consistency with the show it's rick and morty you can catch it on e4 at 10 p.m on mondays don't let your kids watch it unless well uh, uh, unless you're like me and you're yeah, don't let your kids watch it because it's at 10 p.m <laughs> after the thing blah 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 yes. i mean from what your your description it sounds the first thing that came to mind was um, a retooled Doctor Who, they're, where they're going all over the place without without a TARDIS, though. He's oh yeah, it, it's something else. Absolutely. Mm. You think Doctor Who? Um, you think Doctor? Th okay, it's it, because Rick Sanchez is basically he's 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 a very objectively he is a pretty bad person because he doesn't <laughs> really. It's like all he cares about is him getting his own way at the expense of everyone else, including his daughter, including his daughter's family. It is just 
Uh, so he's a he's an objectively bad person. So when you say Doctor Who, uh, yeah, fair enough. It is Doctor Who because of all the magic and all that kind of stuff. With the TARDIS, he has a portal gun where he just he's like you know he just he opens up. You just he'll he'll open up a portal. They'll jump through, and they're in a completely different universe. They've explored time travel. They've explored multiverse. They've gone through various type of scientific explanations of scientific theories, etc. They've played around with it, and it's just it's it, you know it. Those of you who are interested in in smart television, that's what exactly what it is. It is smart, intelligent television. Check it out, and don't be. Don't be put off by the fact that it's animation because some of the best shows are animated. I mean, look at Invincible. Invincible is one of my favorite um, t uh, TV superhero shows, and it's an animation. Because the writing and the, act, the voice acting in it is just amazing. Check out Rick and Morty when you can. It's funny you said about uh, time travel because uh, a thought came to me a few, few days ago, and it was, if you go back in time and change something, will you then be able to go back forward in time? Okay, so it, it, again, it all depends on which time travel theory you want to follow, right? Because there are multiple time travel theories. There's a time travel theory that basically says you can't change anything in the past. You can't change the timeline because whatever's happened has already happened. So if you go back in time, for example, uh, you, you move a television, right? Just say something random like that. You move a television. When you come back to the future... You will see that television where you moved it to, but you will realize that you've always had that television in that position and you've never known why it's always been in that position. And now you realize that the reason why it was in that position the whole time was because you went back in time and you moved it in that position. But that's just one theory of time travel. There's another uh, theory of time travel that basically states that um, if you can go back in time, you can change the events of the past. What will happen is when you jump back into the future, you are not jumping back into your future, the future that you existed before, because that timeline no longer exists. It, because you've changed it, that timeline essentially gets eradicated from the universe. And as such, you now you're jumping back into a timeline that you have changed. And as such, you're going there and you don't other examples of that are things like uh, quantum leap, for example, or, uh, what's the other one? The Jean-Claude Van Damme one, Time Cop, right? Where basically you, when you land there, you have no recollection of everything that's built up to that point because you get there and, for example, you go and say, I'm going to go and kill Hitler as a baby. So you go back in time, you kill Hitler as a baby, you jump forward in time thinking, excellent, the Nazis never existed. But then you land in a time where actually the Nazis have won and taken over. And you're like, what happened? I killed Hitler. And somebody, you know, exposition Larry comes in and says, what are you talking about? Hitler, yes, Hitler got killed as a baby. It's like, there was, you know, this person, actually, because Hitler doesn't exist, right? At that point, it's like, um, you know, I don't know who this Hitler is that you're talking about. What happened in Germany was these three people united and they formed this thing called the Nazi party. And they were excellent and they were whatever, right? So you think you've got to change things for the better, but you've changed things for the worse. And as such, you have to then go back in time to stop yourself from killing Hitler. Um, so that's that theory as well. Then there's the multiverse theory or the multi-timeline theory, right? Which is basically, and I think Avengers Endgame. Endgame. Yes, they utilize that particular theory where, <clears throat> and, and, although they try to spin it in a different way where they're saying, actually, um, you know, so like 
you can't because the, the, the way um, uh, Professor Hulk explains it, he says, "Well, you can't go back in time and change your past because your past, your past. If you go back in time, your past is your future, and as such, you can't change that, right? So, what actually happens there is you can go back in time, you can change the past, but what you're doing there is you're creating multiple time streams. So there is one time stream that is the one that you left. And as such, it is carrying on as though nothing ever happened. But you've gone back in time and because you've made a change, you've split the time stream. So now there are two time streams going along. One where nothing happened and one where you changed the past and something is now happening. The result of you having changed the past then carries on. So you then jumping back into the future which future timeline are you jumping back into? Are you jumping back into your original timeline where you didn't change anything? Or are you jumping into the timeline where you did change something? And so on and so forth. So there are all of those kind of theories that exist. Um, obviously, we don't know which one is real until time travel is invented. Uh, who knows? <laughs> Everyone that's listened to this is like, what did we just do into? <clears throat> <laughs> he asked you a simple question. Just say, "I don't know, man. It's time travel. It doesn't even... <laughs> and just and just wrap it up there." But uh, anyway, so that's our education on uh, time travel. Next week, we're going to talk multiverse theory. Oh gosh. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, I'm I'm not going to go into multiverse theory. However, because of Rick and Morty, the whole idea you brought this up because I talked about Rick and Morty. Because of Rick and Morty, I love the idea of the um, multiverse the, mul the whole idea of the multiverse is the fact that there are infinite universes into in infinite dimensions uh which are basically us but something slightly different and it's infinite so any kind of possibility you could imagine exists so there is a universe where we're having this conversation however i'm in your apartment and you're in my apartment you're you're we have this conversation and we're the reverse so and, you know there is a universe where i'm producer dave and you're marcus Acco. that universe exists there's a universe where outside you know outside my front door there are dancing guitars playing with you know talking pianos and whatnot that's the whole idea of infinite universe. Whatever your brain can conceive, there's a universe that exists like that. Rick and Morty play with that quite a lot, where, you know, in situations where they say, look, we need to fix this thing that we've just damaged irreparably. How do we fix it? Well, let's just forget about this universe and let's just jump into, we'll calculate and find the next universe that is pretty much everything that we have except we didn't make this one mistake and then jump into that universe and just carry on as normal. And it's just, it, anyway, that's the reason why I love Rick and Morty. Uh, enough of my babble. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. We have, I know you may have just tuned in and if you haven't already tuned out because of me rabbiting on about my uh, half-baked understanding of various time travel theories. Uh, we are going to be talking more about films and TV shows. Uh, later on in the show, we're going to have Spotlight, where we'll talk uh, to Cheryl Neve, who's an actor, actress, writer, producer. She, we, we, we uh, hinted at, well, we talked about her last week when we had the wonderful Jenna Suru on. She's her writing partner, and I scolded Jenna Suru. For, or I didn't scold. I sent Jenna Suru to send a scolding message to Cheryl to say, why hasn't she been on the show? 
because I hadn't invited her to the show. But we talk about that in a few minutes anyway. Uh, but she comes on the show. She tells us about how, some of her projects that she's working on. And she gives us some advice on how to become producers and how to become directors as well. First time projects. Uh, but before we go into that wonderful spotlight session, let us go into film and TV news. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And in film and TV news today, well, I'll pass over to producer Dave because I've been rabbiting on nonstop uh, on stuff that I like to talk about, which is Rick and Morty. But uh, producer Dave, there's a TV show that you've watched recently that you'd like to bring people's attention to. Yep, I have. Um, one of the things that's been going on with me is that I've just not been watching too much in the way of um, fictional TV. I've been watching a little bit more in the way of... Um, documentaries and one that has come to the fore for me is a documentary called high on the hog now this is a netflix documentary and it's a, a series based on a book of the same name by dr jessica b harris uh, the the sub the, the the other title to the, this program is how african-american cuisine transformed america and that gives you the clue as to what this program is about. It is a food show, but it's not in the traditional sense of a food show. It actually traces the track of slavery from West Africa to America, and it discovers the foods that were brought along with the um, African-Americans who were taken from West Africa to America. Foods like okra, which was never in America in the first place, but it was taken along with them to America and became an essential part of the cuisine over there. Um, there are four episodes. I've watched two of them. And I have to say the first one, which is set in Benin in West Africa, was very, very, very emotional. You, you discovered the roots of slavery you see the monument to slavery that they have there and you discover some of the foods that they are cooking in benin which um, the host a gentleman by the name of stephen satterfield who set up this um uh, website called eater to discuss foods and the way foods are a unifying force in america he recognized the food the different dishes or different aspects of the dishes even though they were made differently one of the things that came across to me was the way that some stews in america were invented let's put it that way from necessity the masters would say for instance have a pig they would eat all the good parts of the pig and leave all the offcuts to the slaves so the slaves got the hooves, the the the, leg, the the feet, tail, the head, all the bits that were unattractive to the masters and they had to make food out of it. And they did, but they came from a culture whereby if they killed an animal, they would utilize every bit from nose to tail. So they were well-versed in the way of utilizing it. All they did, had to do was utilize it in a slightly different way with different herbs, spices, and foods that they were now growing in America. And they came up with cuisine, which the masters then wanted because it looked so appetizing and smelled so appetizing and tastes very, very good. And this is one of the things that is explored all the way through, how African-American cuisine 
shaped the cuisine of America and it's celebrated in many, many different places, particularly down, you talk about gumbos and stuff like that. The uh, okra, which I have to say is not one of my favorite um, vegetables, but the okra was used as a thickening agent to make the gumbos thicken and um, tasty and hold together, to be quite honest. So the, the four episodes are directed by a gentleman by the name of uh, Roger Ross Williams, who is an Academy Award winner. And uh, the second episode was in Charleston in America. And one of the quotes that stuck in my mind was that uh, some of the slaves thought when they were disembarking that it was all a big joke because the coastline of Charleston resembled the coastline of West Africa where they had been taken. And they thought they'd been they'd been fooled. They didn't realize when at first sight that they'd come to a completely new land. It looked so familiar. It was only later that they realized that they were in a new land. But anyway, um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's a really, really good watch and it's very, very informative. I recommend it highly if you get the chance to see it. High on the Hog, which is on Netflix. That's absolutely fascinating. I mean, some of the things that you mentioned, you, you talked about uh, okra being brought across from Africa. And I know you say you didn't like, you don't like okra. No, I love really. okra. I, I love okra soup. It is just, it, it's, it, it's draw and it's stringy. And you just, you, when you, especially when you're eating it with pounded yam, for example, you, you just, you mold it up, you dip it in the soup, you pull it and that string and you cut, you twist it and you cut it and then you eat it and you just put it in your mouth and it's just, it is tasty. It is amazing. You need to you need to educate your palate more. Pretty well, I, I tell you what, um, you mentioned powdered yam, but that is something that they also took over to America. But yams do not grow in America. Of and course. that's caused a problem over in America, because as far as they're concerned, yams, a lot of them, a lot of people think that yams are actually, uh, well, they think sweet potatoes are yams, which is not. So if you ever put into a search engine um, like Google, um, yam what you'll get back are recipes which actually are for sweet potato and not for yam and it's something that's been addressed over in america now they're starting to educate themselves that yams are not sweet potatoes but this is something that you see they, they think absolutely even even in even in the uk i mean there um i've whenever i've had conversations with people and i mentioned yam people would say i don't know what you're talking about and i describe i have to describe it as it's like potato it's like sweet potato uh, you can go to certain markets and actually get uh, and get yam, uh, and because you, you you can have a lot a lot of a lot of markets as well sell powdered yam, right? So it's you get it in a powder form, and then you can then soak it in water, and then it thickens and whatnot. But it's much better if you get the actual tube of yam. Uh, it's very hard. It's very thick. You cut it up into chunks, and then you boil it, and then you pound it. That's where you get the authentic yam taste. Uh, when you're eating it, it's just it's anyway. I'm uh, just talking, listening to you talk about uh, about the the show on Netflix is making my mouth water. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna like I I wanna I I need to get that in my belly right now. So you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. And we, I, I, one thing I want to do, because I haven't done this in quite a while, uh, we, we often, in the past, we used to go onto uh, IMDb, the, uh, you know, the Internet Movie Database, 
which is imdb.com. And we used to get like news and we used to get lists and so on. We used to read and talk about them when we were in the studio. Uh, and I was going through it this morning and I saw two lists in particular that I was really, really interested in. One, I still am very interested in it. One is upcoming superhero movies and series. And the other is uh, the best TV shows returning in 2021. Now, uh, I'm going to start off with the TV shows first. And we'll go through this. Uh, and producer Dave, tell me if you have either heard of the, the show I'm talking about or if you've watched it. Uh, a lot of them I watched. Um, I've watched them obviously before they, they're returning. I want to uh, watch them again. So I will I will highlight which ones I'm really looking forward to, which ones I'm more meh about, and which ones I've never heard of or haven't watched yet. So the very first one in the list is Bosch, which is on Amazon Prime. It's a detective show uh, with Titus Welliver. Uh, as uh, the as uh, Harry Heranimus Heranimus Bosch, um, uh, have you have you heard about this this show? I've this heard show? about it, but I've never seen. I've never actually seen it. Okay, so it returns on Amazon Prime uh, uh, or Prime Video for season seven. I, I've heard that this is going to be the last season. It is amazing. It is great. It is one of. It is very. It's a hard boiled detective show. Um, just, it's it's in LA and it's just really good. A lot of jazz music played. I, a lot of jazz music that I like to listen to, I listened to it because I saw it on Bosch. So uh, Bosch is coming back pretty soon. I believe June the 25th is when it's coming on Amazon Prime. What about A Discovery of Witches? Have you heard of the TV show? Have you heard of the books, maybe? A no, Discovery not, of Witches. Not, not, discovered that, not discovered that one. No. Okay. So a discovery of which is, I think that's actually out at the moment, but I think the IMDb list is... Is that a film or TV show? So it's, a t it's a TV show. So Brand it's new season, one? It, it's, it's pretty new. It's pretty new. Uh, season two came out, I think, sometime last week, uh, last year, actually. It's on Sky already. It's on uh, Sky Atlantic, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's It's got um, uh, Matthew Good in it, and I can't remember the uh, the actress's name. Uh, and, oh, Teresa Palmer. That's it. Teresa Palmer and Matthew Good. The way I describe it is, it's a better version of Twilight. The first season is set in the in 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 uh, present day London or present day UK, uh, and it's a world where you have witches and vampires, right? So you have a vampire uh, who is basically played by Matthew Good, who discovers this witch who's coming into her own, played by Teresa Palmer. So she's learning her how, how to. Uh, you know, her powers and these things that are now coming to her while she's obviously posing a threat, not just to the, the uh, vampire kind, but also a threat to the established order of the witches. So the two of them sort of team up together. Season two uh, sort of throws us back into the past because they have to, you know, whatever. I'm not going to explain more about that because I don't want to ruin it for anyone. But season two, we watched season two last year that's why i'm surprised that they're putting it on as something that's coming back because it's already been out i guess it's coming out now in america but it is available on sky it's possible that they're just repeating it in preparation for season three but possible maybe maybe um next one i'll just I'll, i'm not going to go through all of them there are about 34 in the list i'm not going to go through all of them i'm just going to skip till i find one that i really want to talk about there's one called ted lasso which is on apple tv have you seen ted lasso no, I've not had the, the pleasure of Apple TV. I've only been able to watch one, a few episodes of the the series C, which I really want to watch. Oh, yes. 
that with uh, with Jason Momoa, right? That's right. Yeah. Yes, I, I, uh, that came out. That was, that was one of the first TV shows that came out with Apple TV. Uh, I have Apple TV. I haven't watched it yet, to be honest. Uh, I've, I've watched a couple of shows. Ted Lasso was one I did want to watch uh, because I've heard a lot of good things about it. It's set in a, it's, it's set in the UK. Jason Sudeikis is an American who comes over to uh, take over this football team um, and, and it basically lift them out of whatever they, you know, whatever they're struggling. And I started watching the first episode. I literally watched the first 15 minutes of the first episode. Uh, even before Jason Sudeikis has been introduced. I liked what I was watching, but I got distracted by something else. I said I was going to come back to it. I haven't come back to it. So I will come back to it. Anyway, season two uh, is premiering on Apple TV on July the 23rd. Um, Riverdale on Netflix. Have you seen Riverdale? I have seen it advertised. Netflix have a habit of trying to shove things down your throat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, no, I'm not interested in watching that because I, every time I see the name River, I always complete it in my head with dance, so River Dance. And, ah, gotcha. Uh, and and it's like, oh no, I, I'm not watching. It, that. it doesn't help that this one it has DA <laughs> after the river as well. So yeah, yeah river exactly, river. yeah. So for those who don't know Riverdance, uh, Riverdance, uh, Riverdale, uh, Riverdale is uh, basically a CW version of uh, the Archie comics. So they, they basically taken the Archie comics that you, you know and love if you like that kind of stuff. And they basically given it the CW twist, which is basically it's dark and it's it's got a lot of murder and and whatnot in it. It's, it's very it's very American teen drama the way they have it now. Um this one, however, as soon as it drops, I'm there. It's Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it's, uh, I, I'm waiting for it to come on E4. It's season eight, which I hear is going to be the last season. Um, let me ask you first, Producer Dave, have you seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine? I have seen several episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine across the different seasons. And I'm still, I still struggle with it. I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't what? know what it is about it. But um, it just does not resonate with me whatsoever. Really? really? Okay, fair enough. Well, Brooklyn Nine Nine is a comedy that's set in uh, in a New York police department precinct. Uh, it's it stars uh, um, Adams uh, Andy Samberg, uh, Andre Brower, Terry Crews, um, uh, Fumero. I've forgotten her first name. A whole and a whole number of people, and there are a lot of cameos that pop in. Uh, actors that come in and do loads of cameos. Uh, J.K. Simmons, uh, Kyra Sedgwick. She has a reoccurring character in it. Uh, Sterling K. Brown. Uh, you know, you know him as uh, Killmonger's dad in uh, Black Panther. He comes in, and his episode is one of the best episodes in the entire seven se seven seasons that has happened. Literally, his episode is what they refer to as a as a bottle episode, which is literally where, uh, in in TV terms, if the uh, if you know a TV show want to do a cheap episode, they they tend to focus it just on one room or you know one or two rooms so they don't have to go to many places and they don't have too many characters it's it's very condensed it's very simple it's in that one space and it's like a theater piece sterling k brown comes in and he's a he's a suspect has been accused of a crime and it's literally um uh andre brower who's uh, uh captain raymond holt who is the captain of the precinct and uh nick peralta or sorry, jake peralta who's played by Andy Samberg. He's a detective. And the both of them have to crack this suspect. They have a, a um, 24 hours to crack this suspect. And he's just unflappable. It's, it's a brilliant episode. 
Brooklyn Nine-Nine is coming back with season eight. I think this might be the last season. I read somewhere that they were having some issues because the delay was, again, because of everything that's going on in the world about uh, COVID, but not just COVID, but also uh, police brutality, especially in America. They didn't, they had, they threw out their entire season, uh, the scripts for the entire season, because they said they wanted the, they wanted the writing to be respectful of what's going on in America and in the world when it comes to police brutality, but still obviously be funny and, and so on. Um, they've addressed some very strong um, topics in there. And I have full faith the Brooklyn Nine-Nine Season 8 is going to be awesome. Anyway, you're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. With, with regards to Brooklyn Nine-Nine, every time I think about it now, I hear that line, more mashed potato. More mashed potato? Yes. Um, there's a, couple, a few episodes where he's in jail. and he's Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, that's yes. what keeps on coming to mind. But anyway, move on, moving on, moving on. <laughs> well, trust me, we could do an entire episode where I talk about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, I, I know, that's why I said moving on, moving on. Yes. So uh, another thing that's coming back is uh, season season 11 of The Walking Dead is the final season. They're ra- finally wrapping it up. I'm one of the last people who will still try and defend Walking Dead. That's, uh, that's in, uh, season 11. Um, uh, the next t- TV show... Speaking of Walking Dead, someone who moved from Walking Dead and went to headline her own show, uh, that's uh, Sonequa Martin-Green. She went to headline Star Trek Discovery, which is on Netflix. Uh, Have you seen Star Trek Discovery? I've seen a couple of episodes, but not all. Oh, okay. Uh, It's basically a prequel to Star Wars that we all know, right? So um, although... Star Wars or Star Trek? Sorry, I meant Star Trek. I apologies. I say Star Trek. Ooh. (laughs) <laughs> uh, two fandoms are now they put hit list uh, uh, hits out on me um no it's a prequel to star trek so you y- you see it just before the enterprise and everything else although you do get to see a young version of captain uh of, of uh, not captain of spock you get to see um one of the you know the older captain the captain that introduced uh kirk pike um, Pike, yeah, you get to see Pike in there. Uh, there's, they're now bringing back season four. I stopped halfway through season three. I still want to catch up uh, and get myself to season four. I enjoyed it. I know a lot of people didn't. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get myself back up, finish off season three, and I'll jump into season four for Star Trek Discovery. Then we have Lucifer, which is also on Netflix. Producer Dave, have you seen Lucifer? No, I haven't watched any of those, actually. Okay, um, I like I like Lucifer. Lucifer is uh, it's it's based on a Neil Gaiman uh, book. Uh, no, not a book. Actually, it's based it's it's based on a DC character, right? Lucifer, you know, as in the devil. Um, the, the DC universe basically have created a, the character, and they they've not created, they've adapted the character of Lucifer. Uh, and the show basically is Lucifer gets bored of staying in hell. He comes to Los Angeles and he's been granting wishes to people in Los Angeles. He's a nightclub owner. And he happens to run across a detective who he has a special connection with. And he wants to explore what that connection is to find out more about what it is. And so he jumps on board as a consultant on various murder cases that she works. And so they go, you know, so each episode, it's a, it's a you know, a cop drama kind of thing, a detective show. So uh, each episode, they're going to investigate a crime and he uses, and his special ability, not only is he super strong, et cetera, he has a special ability where he can look into your eyes and say to you, what is your deepest desire? And you can't stop yourself 
from explaining what your secret desire is, which is how he uses to catch a lot of the people who are involved in so and so forth. So they're on season six at the moment on Netflix. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to catch up. I'm still, I think I'm on season five at the moment. I'm trying to catch up so I can finish it off and then I can jump onto season six. Season six is supposed to be happening later on in the year. I'll, I'll do one last TV show because this TV show I think is amazing. It's called Sex Education. It's on Netflix. Producer Dave, have you seen Sex Education? No, it's on my list of shows to watch. Oh, get it off your list and watch it straight away. So I mentioned that there were two lists, uh, but I've rabbited on for quite a while. Producer Dave has given me the signal saying I need to wrap things up because obviously we need to listen to Spotlight and talk to Cheryl Neve about her stuff. So I'm just going to throw this really quickly just to say team, uh, f- superhero films I'm looking forward to seeing that are coming th- uh, this year. Black Widow, uh, Suicide Squad, The Suicide Squad by James Gunn. I want to see that. I haven't seen that yet. Um uh, uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. That's supposed to be coming in September. I can't wait for that. Um, even the uh, Venom Part 2, because of Venom and Carnage, I, I can't wait to see that. That's um, not MCU. It's a Sony property, but I think they did that very well. I want to see that. Then there's Spider-Man No Way Home. And I'm hearing rumors about that, where it's going to jump through different... Um, uh, the, the multiverse, if you will. And what they're going to do with that is essentially... They're going to cut through and bring in uh, from the older Spider-Man movies. So you'll have Doc Ock, which is played by uh, Alfred Molina. He's going to pop up in there. And there's possibly the fact that you will cross with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man and so on. So you're going to join, join all these people as well, right? So all the other movies are all going to come together. Kind of like what Into the Spider-Verse did. Yeah, uh, exactly. Speak- yeah, speaking of Into the Spider-Verse, that is also supposed to be coming out sometime this year. I can't wait for uh, Into the Spider-Verse. And then finally, The Batman. I've heard a lot of things, uh, mostly mostly troubling about The Batman. This is Robert Pattinson stepping into, uh, into the cape and cowl. Um, and the reason why I can't wait for this film, I think this film might actually come out in 2022 instead, though. The reason I can't wait for this is because I have an ongoing bet with a friend of the show, uh, Michael Amaria, and my brother, Ella Akko, where I say Robert Pattinson is going to kill it as Batman. He's going to be amazing. The both of them disagree. And we have bets where whomever wins gets to dress up in a very embarrassing costume and go to Comic-Con and do stuff. So I can't wait because I think Robert Pattinson, you're going to... Our pats, you need to crush it so I can get Michael Amaria to dress up as Catwoman and go to, <laughs> and, and go to Comic-Con. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko. I'm producer Dave. And this is Spotlight. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Akko. And I'm producer Dave. And if you listened to last week's show where we had Jenna Suru on, friend of the show, Jenna Suru, uh, you will remember me having, not necessarily having a go, but basically mentioning that uh, Jenna Suru needed to pass a message on to her writing partner about my, uh, my annoyance and the fact that she hadn't come on the show. Well, as fates would allow, the, the, the road has been paved and now we have actress, writer, producer 
on the show with us. Please tell us your name and uh, give us an explanation as to why it's taken so long for you to come on our show. <laughs> well, um, thank you so much for having me on, first of all. I'm Cheryl Neve. Um, um, I think we maybe got our wires crossed with why I haven't been on the show yet. <laughs> maybe you thought you'd ask me. I maybe thought you hadn't. Um, but thankfully, we've resolved it and here I am. And thanks I, to Jenna for uh, resolving the issues. <laughs> I'm taking, I, I, I've had a, a mid-year resolution that I am not going to be taking responsibility for anything that is my fault. And as such, I'm continuing with that and I'm not taking responsibility. I'm putting responsibility solely on your shoulders for not having gotten onto our show. All jokes aside, Cheryl, thank you very much for joining us uh, today. Uh, it's, it's been a while since I've been, I've been wanting to get you back on, to get you on the show to talk about the various projects that you've been working on. Uh, and one in particular is one that we can start off with and then we'll move into your acting and your writing career, etc. And that is a music video that you produced recently called uh, love uh, shouldn't uh, should not hurt uh, yes. tell, tell us tell us first about uh, first of all what the music video is about who's involved in it and how you actually came to be part of that project okay well i am super grateful that i was part of the project in so many ways um so the video is by composer and director fabio d'andrea he has been creating a visual album of his classical pieces and other videos have been with Natalie Dormer and Russell Tovey um, and he does a variety of topics but this video is about domestic abuse and it follows um, a woman's relationship with her husband It kind of shows domestic, um, sorry, physical abuse, coercive control, emotional abuse, um, even financial control because we wanted to get all those elements into the story and also um, even showing the nicer side perhaps why it's so confusing for some people to stay into it in a relationship because it's not always bad sometimes there are those um, more positive elements um, so we wanted to include everything in the story of the video so it's um, not it's uh, to the track of um, his classical piece and it shows Mel B with another actor kind of reenacting this story. Um, so I got involved with the project. Fabio D'Andre is a long-term friend of mine. We met, this is gonna show my age, but we met about 20 years ago at uni. I was studying Spanish and film was far from my mind then. He was studying music. And um, so over the past few years, we reconnected and realized we are both working in the film industry and we, wanted that perfect project we could both um, work together on. So this was it. I, he brought me on as producer and it was, yeah, such a fantastic project to be involved with. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna step in there just in one one bit because uh, you mentioned that it's showing your age. Um, and <laughs> okay, this is a thing that has been happening to to me most very recently, and it's not just myself. Uh, I reached out to another friend of the show, a friend of mine, Michael Amaria, great actor. Uh, it, it might feel like it was that long ago, 2001, right? So 20, 2001 was 20 years ago. That's not that long ago. Um, I I remember quite a lot happening back then so yes. i'm just gonna call you up on that it's, this entire episode is just gonna be me having a go at you for different reasons as far as, I'm no as far as i'm concerned so it just means that you met him when you were five 
<laughs> thank you thank you i i like that response there you go See, that's what that's why that's why producer dave is a producer uh so you so you met fabio and uh you and uh, uh fabio you mentioned he's got a number a large body of of classical work uh it, it's 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 the video itself very visceral and it's uh it's just if anyone's going to be watching it obviously uh be wary of of trigger of various triggers that could uh, yes. it can occur because it is a very sensitive video. It shows very um, uh, graphic violence in the show, mm-hmm. mixed in with uh, with elegance as well. Because uh, even though Mel B from Spice Girls is in it, she doesn't sing at all. She dances with her partner, and there's it intercuts between uh, a dance scene and uh, a very terrible bit of violence. And you see the two together, and it's undercut by this music, this very elegant, beautiful music being played. Uh, by Fabio uh, on the piano, uh, yes. and I, wa- I watched it twice because I love the music, and I was just checking it out just for the visuals and everything else as well. Uh, so you mentioned that you decided to work with Fabio on this project. What particularly drew you to this particular project to work on? Uh, well, first of all, I love your description of the video. Um, you just summed it up so well. <laughs> I mean, I love Fabio's work, so obviously any video he wants me to work on, I would say yes. <laughs> Um, also, I've always been a fan of Mel B, as I'm sure um, thought to meet her. She's such a, an amazing woman, so strong, so full of life. And um, what really, what I really loved about her is she got stuck into everything. Like we, um, we had Ashley Wallen on set. Um, he chore- choreographed. What's the word? <laughs> He, the choreographer, you are you are right. You're right. You stopped yourself halfway through. <laughs> you um, yeah, he worked on the greatest showman. So he choreographed the scenes where obviously it looks very violent, but he was wonderful at choreo- choreographing <laughs> choreographing these scenes. Um, and she just threw herself into everything we did. She was just so amazing. Um, one of the scenes in the video, the scene at the end is when she's running away from the farmhouse across the field and you can see the valley and she had to run barefoot across this field and she was just wearing a knife tee. It was very cold. Um, and obviously she had to run through a sheep's field full of sheep poo and, you know, barefoot. And, you know, she just did it. You know, she she really wanted to just throw herself into every aspect of everything we did. She was just amazing and yeah, she's such a wonderful woman. And I think seeing her in a video like this has really helped many women, many women in a similar situations, because if they think Mel B got out of a similar situation, it probably gives them hope that they can too. Because I think after the video was released, Women's Aid had a lot of people contacting them for help. And I think it really helped people um, get out of their situation. So absolutely, yeah. it's, it's been very well documented. Uh, uh, Mel B's uh, experiences with various partners in the past, um, and it's it's great to see that she actually teamed up teamed up not only with yourself with Fabio, but you just mentioned it with uh, we, uh, Women's Aid. Which yeah, is, she's a patron, which is she's awesome. a patron of Women's Aid. Yes, yeah. so, those people who are interested in watching the video, you can either get it on YouTube or better yet, just go on to the Women's Aid uh, website. It's womensaid.org.uk, and it's right there on the homepage. You can you can catch various uh, interviews with Mel B. I think there's even an interview with Fabio uh, as well, discussing the project, etc. And you get yes. to see how they get to help. 
uh, in situations like that to, to sort out uh, or to assist people who are experiencing domestic abuse, both emotionally, sexually, financially, as well as you pointed out. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we've got with us writer, producer, actress, Cheryl Neve. Uh, we've just been talking about the, vi the music video she produced with uh, Mel B and Fabio, which is uh, called Love Should Not Hurt. But I want to talk, uh, Cheryl, about your, your own career. Let's start off with the, uh, with the part of being an actress. So uh, some of the projects that you've worked on, uh, you've worked on uh, a Vice Squad Las Vegas, which is currently in pre-production. Uh, you've, uh, you've worked on a number of other projects as well. Tell us, how long have you been have, have you been an actress and sort of what pushed you into that particular career path? Um, so, like I said uh, um, before, I studied Spanish at university. Film was far from my mind. Um, then I kind of spent my 20s bringing up my children. Um, but it got to a point where I was, I knew I had lots of talents but didn't know how to use them. Um, and I guess my light bulb moment came when I was an extra on the film Les Miserables. I was kind of, I was a singing nun <laughs> and I was watching everything going on and I was watching Hugh Jackman singing. And it was just one of those moments when I just thought, wow, I want a part of this world. Um, obviously at the time I didn't really know the steps of getting there. Um, and I guess I want to emphasize it's always a journey. Like you just have to keep working at it and persevering. So. I did extra work for a bit, then I started doing auditions and gradually got some acting roles. But along the way, I discovered I, I'm, because I've always been a writer, but I discovered I really love writing films. Um, and I think the acting helps because if you can visualize things and you know how everything works, you can also write it down, so. And, and you mentioned that you, you've, uh, you raised your kids and then you decided yeah. to go into, into acting. Uh, what, has, what have you found as either being the most difficult part that you didn't really expect and how you overcame those aspects to be able to dive in and pursue your dream? Oh, good question. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess it's difficult because when, you're, when you start off, it's like you see this huge mountain to climb in front of you and you don't really know how to climb it like what steps to take um then I guess it's just taking little steps and the main thing I think is persevering never giving up um if you're sure it's definitely what you want to do and it's your passion then you'll find a way to do it yeah so my advice is don't give up and I think also surround yourself with um a good team amazing people you can work with and collaborate with especially in the beginning if maybe you don't have much experience then you can collaborate with people um like-minded people that's kind of how i did it really just i started collaborating with people um getting my skills better all the time and um yeah you just widen your network i think that's very important networking meeting people in the industry and yeah, just never, never giving up. Just believe in yourself. Things will start to happen. You may may need to be patient for a while, but they will happen. And uh, with regards to some of the stuff that you've you've written, you mentioned as you 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 said you with your life experiences, you then decided to go in and start writing some of the projects. Can you give us an example of one of your projects? Because looking at your credits on IMDb, there's quite a lot that you've written and you've worked on, right? Which one do you <laughs> feel right now is your best piece of writing? Uh, what is the project and why does it appeal to you as much? Um, okay, well, uh, my the maybe the project I'm fondest of 
is it's a 1960s film called Cheating Charlie. I wrote the short for it and then I produced it and directed it. So I guess I'm most fond of it because that was my directorial debut. So I've made the short and I've written the feature and I really want to get the feature made. So it's um, yeah, a spy movie set in the 60s in Berlin and then it shifts location to Paris. And it's kind of a mixture between the lives of others and Bridge of Spies. Um, uh, yeah, it's got the Stasi and the CIA. There's romance, stolen art. I've kind of tried to bring all the elements of a classic spy movie into it. And I am really excited about making it. But obviously, COVID kind of slowed down the process. <laughs> um, right before COVID, I went to the Berlin Ali Festival in Berlin and I was doing some location scouting. I went to the old Stasi Museum Hornschenhausen, and that's where I really want to film. And I was kind of putting feelers out and trying to get the film pitched, but obviously, yeah, global pandemic <laughs> has affected us all. But hey, but, the, um, pande the pandemic didn't, didn't hurt it that badly. It, it, it picked up the festival award at a prestigious international film festival. It got the gold award uh, at uh, Queen Palm International Film Festival. So it did quite well for something that got knocked by COVID. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's what it, it, looking back at your history and talking to you, because um, it, it's it's one of the reasons why I really wanted to get you on the project on on the um, on the podcast on the on the radio show so we could talk to you about these projects that you basically come into and you've made a success. Uh, and especially the fact that you've, just with Cheating Charlie, you've juggled so many roles, right? Directed, wrote, written, you start, you, you you didn't start it, but you actually, you acted in it as well. Yeah. Uh, you took on all of those roles. Um, but what was that experience like for you to take on all of those roles on that particular project and see them through to its uh, success? Um, well, I mean, at the time it, it was difficult because obviously I didn't know if I was going to fail or not, seeing as I hadn't directed anything before. So I guess maybe that was my biggest fear. Like, what if I fail? What if I fall flat on my face? What if it, it you know, <laughs> what if it's a failure? And, um, and I guess I had all these roles that I was juggling as well. But, um, you know, it came together. I had a great team and I ended up really, really enjoying it. Um, I loved like working with old cars and in, in amazing locations and the props and just seeing my script come to life was really, really magical. Um, uh, yeah, like it, it ended, up, ended up being a great project. So I'm very, very proud of it. Um, and, and, and out of and, all- uh, what sorry, sorry, I was just gonna say, if anyone wants to watch the film, how do we get to watch it? Um, I, it, at the moment it's, it's a private link just because I'm pitching to make the feature, but um, I could give you the link. I could give you the link. <laughs> Um, I, absolutely, absolutely. I, I'll happily accept it because that's one thing I always do. I always try to get links from different people. Um, amazing. I, I believe I cut off producer Dave. So producer Dave, you got a question? Go for it. Yeah, I was just going to ask, what tips do you have for first-time producers? Um, Sorry, my producers, directors. Di oh, directors. Um, okay. <laughs> um, I guess for me, um, obviously, because I wrote the film, I was very familiar with each scene and the characters and how I wanted the characters to be. So I guess if you're directing someone else's script, it may be a little bit different, but it helped me because I already knew how I wanted the film to go. Um, and that planning was very important. Like I, I made sure I planned each shot and I made a storyboard and I was really clear with what I wanted out of each scene. And I think 
that really helped me as a first time director. Um, because I feel like if I hadn't planned it as well, maybe maybe it wouldn't have gone as well. But I think planning was key. Um, also having a great cast on board and a good team around you really helps because it's all about teamwork at the end of the day, as you know. <laughs> good teamwork makes the dream work. Cheesy as it sounds, it's true. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako. And I'm producer Dave. And we've just been chatting with Cheryl Neve, who's, act- who's an actress, writer, director, uh, producer in various short films, various films, uh, and just come up with or just uh, produced the music video, uh, uh, L- uh, Love Should Not Hurt. Uh, we've just been talking to her for the last few minutes about some of her projects. Uh, she's just given us a great tip on how on first time directors uh, as it's it's that's what I, that's why I do the show. I do the show so I can talk for an hour about film projects I'm interested in, as well as learning from people such as yourselves, uh, yourself about how to actually do the work. So let me ask you this, just as we wrap up, what project do you? Uh, I, I've got a question, and then uh, producer Dave can ask his question as well. Um, what projects are you currently working on, uh, either as a writer, producer, director, or actress? Um, okay, good question. I mean, I have some projects I can't mention yet, but they are very exciting. <laughs> um, one project I've loved working on recently, and I know Jenna was on your previous show and she talked a bit about it, but we've been co-writing the pilot episode of a series, which she is going to be filming in Paris this summer, hopefully, or early autumn. And I've really loved working with Jenna on this because, you know, as you know, she is such an inspirational, amazing woman. um, And I'm so grateful to have her in my life and to know her. Um, So, yeah, that's been a great project to work on. But I don't think I can say too much about the plot or even the title. And also I've been working with um, actor and writer Kyle James. He's a very good friend of mine. We've been working on another pilot. Um, It's a supernatural drama thriller, um, which has been quite exciting because I do like my thrillers. (laughs) Um, I think they're all the projects I can mention. Um, Obviously I really want to get Cheating Charlie off the ground as well and turned into a feature. Um, But yeah, I can't really talk about everything. Right no now. worries. As soon as, as, soon as, we, as soon as we go offline, I'll, I'll, I'm going to be hounding you to ask you various type of questions on various <laughs> things as well. So, but let me hand over to producer Dave. He's got a question. Yeah, I just wanted to know how did you meet the wonderful Jenna? Oh, um, well, that is a good question. I love Jenna so much. Um, we've been kind of online friends for a while, like we knew of each other, but we met in Cam 2019. Um, she was very French when she met. She ordered a lovely bucket of uh, mussels and it looked delicious. But yeah, I think I just had a coffee. But meeting her was amazing. And then we um, went to some events together in Cannes. Um, and following on from that, I went to her LA um, premiere of Large Door and her London one. And she helped me location scout in Paris. And just we've, we've done some amazing things together and kept our friendship going. Throughout COVID, we've done lots of Zooms and it's been lovely to see her happy face. And she's just always so positive and inspirational. And yeah, I'm so, so glad she's in my life because I love her and I, I know you guys do as well. <laughs> we've given Jenna an open invitation onto the show. So whenever she's, she currently <laughs> holds the record for being the most, uh, she, the, the guest with the most episodes. Every time she comes <laughs> on, she basically, whatever she, even if she's just to say hi, 
we bring her on the show because we love to to hear her talk about her projects. Uh, Cheryl, <laughs> I want to thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, again, same thing with yourself. If you have a, when your other projects uh, reach a stage where it's okay for you to talk about them, we'd love for you to come back on and talk about them. And that was our conversation with Cheryl Neve. And because of my rabbiting on, Prince Davis told me that we're probably running out of time. So I'm just going to say thank you very much to Cheryl for coming and joining us on the show. We're going to have her back whenever she has any other projects that she wants to talk about. Uh, I want to thank all of you for listening on Resonance FM, as well as downloading the podcast, which comes out on Monday. Uh, this has been Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I am Marcus E. Ako. I'm producer Dave. Saying thank you very much for listening. Speak to you all again next week. Goodbye. Bye.